Hi, it's Darcy the Mail Girl. When I'm not trying to convince Joe Bob to play Halloween 3, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that knows the only proper offer to royalty is a big bag of rap snacks my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode the preparation for next month's madness continues as we continue our trek through patreon country as we offer up a sample from our another time tier and whether you tip 20% or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your what the fuck, Claire hole. <laughs> and you can find us uh, WTFing out on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and just a little off the top shenanigans. This episode is going to be releasing on Friday, February 17th. If you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to Screenland.com where they will take a little bit off your top indoors. And virtually. And genius. Yes. The Friday this episode releases. Uh-huh. Our latest Friday Night Fright. Mm-hmm. Classy and exploitation at the same time. Would you say classy and exploitation at the same time? Because you're thinking next week. Oh. We are still in the year of 1998. Oh. The, this one drops, my friend. I am thinking next week's. I like you looking ahead. You know what? Some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Fuck yeah. we Exactly. You know what? I'm sorry. Fry said we showing the blade. <laughs> I am fucking stoked for tonight to see the blade. Dude, the blade is the shit. The blade is the shit. The blade uh, in Germany, uh, it's, uh, I believe, die, die blade. blade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will find its way. <laughs> I'm super excited again. Talked about I saw it at Oak Park Plaza. It is a movie that literally changed the way I looked at action films, mm-hmm. comic book movies, vampire films. Uh, it's uh, I'm a better person for it. Now, that being said, next Friday night's Friday. Now we're getting classy and exploitative. And it's a movie where the title gets a lot of laughs. The trailer gets a lot of laughs. But it's played dead serious. And it's because William Marshall as Blackula, mm-hmm. his whole thing against Dracula with the slave trade, and then its implica- the implication. It's a serious film, it but it plays so well, mm-hmm. and the fact that you get the sequel that comes from it that has Pam Greer, but it starts with this one, so I cannot wait to close out February and that Friday Night Fright with that, to see it up on the big screen. Now, if enough of you come out, I know we're probably in theater too, but when we get enough people to come out, they'll put us in theater one. Yeah. If we get enough demand for Blackula. Oh. Yeah. Can you imagine that. Blackula on the big screen? Oh, on theater one? Sweet. Would love Fucking it. Fucking sweet. Would love it. Now, that being said, uh, the other- Blackula! The other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 17th, uh, 
This first one is that I've seen that, mm-hmm. and it's loaded with great character actors. You've got Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow. You've got the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. A little film called The Talented Mr. Ripley. I saw that in the theater. Do you I remember? Fell asleep. Okay, no, okay, there we go. I, 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 you know, I don't know if because of why, but I don't know. It just didn't seem. It, I remember the tagline. It was to better to be a uh, fake nobody, no fake somebody than a real nobody. Dig it, dig it. Now, <laughs> the other one that's playing this weekend is one that I did see in the theater, and I can't remember if I was coupled with, if I was married at the time, or this or that, but. It hits differently now with the baggage I bring, and that is a little film called Her. Her? 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 Not not that part of Arrested Development. Oh. Mae Whitman has nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. From what I know. Uh, this is, I think, Spike no, no Jones. No mayonnaise. <laughs> I want to throw up my mouth a little. I, no, I, have you seen this one? I know of it. It's Spike Jones because it's got uh, Scarlett Johansson as Alexa. This is the voice, right? This is the voice. I'd like a Scarlett Johansson Alexa. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I, but again, now that the baggage I have is a little bit different, I think it might hit a little bit different. So I'm mm-hmm. anxious to see how that one does hit. Now, that being said, uh, we got a lot of good stuff happening here at Screenland. So if you're in the Kansas City area, come and check them out. But if you're living from afar and you like the cut of Screenland's jib, well, there's a couple of ways that you can su- help support them. Uh, head on over to ScreenlandOnline.com, where they have a number of films that you can rent from them directly, or even better, become a member of their film family by heading over to Patreon.com slash Screenland, where, amongst their many perks, uh, we offer a little movie watch party called The Shutter Shoutout. And uh, our next one is going to be happening on Saturday, February 25th, where we're taking in two films. Mm-hmm. One is going to be a first-time watch for me, mm-hmm. and two of them are going to be a first-time, both of them are going to be first-timers for you. Um, I have really hyped A Wounded Fawn, really anxious for it. I'm ready to get weird. I'm always down to get weird. I'm like rickety cricket. I'm ready to get weird. Travis Stevens knows how to get weird under the bridge. And then we're going to, to be taking in one that has had a lot of hype, mm-hmm. came out in 2022, called Speak No Evil. Is that the one with um, uh, Marley Matlin and D.B. Sweeney when, like, it's kind of like one of those Lifetime movies where, like, the kids sleeping with the enemy where, like, they, he basically, like, harasses? The... No, no, no. This is that uh, Danish film with a family. They find a, they let a person follow them on vacation. Oh, yeah. this is not with a John C. McGinley where D.B. Sweeney's the bad cop and Martin Sheen? If, honestly, if you throw that cast into this film, it might make it better, potentially, because anytime you throw McGinley in there... yeah. I'm down. I'm down. No, this is I. I've seen that. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Because again, <laughs> we're both going to be taking it in for the first. Oh no, time. that's here. No evil. That is here. No evil. <laughs> now, both of those films are streaming on Shutter. Uh, but by joining the film family, you're going to have access. Uh, have access to Genius. What do you call it? It's the home game where we provide a customized pre-show uh, video introduction with Genius and myself, uh, providing scintillant. Not scintillating conversation, but scintillating information mm-hmm. regarding both of the films. Uh, vintage trailer reel for each movie, and of course, then the post-film discussion. And talking about Marley Matlin and D.B. Sweeney having a good time. Mm-hmm. So, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, head on over to uh, Patreon.com/screenland. But genius, if I'm talking Patreon and film family, a bellies. We also. Have a wonderful, a gaggle. 
mm-hmm. of guys and gals and everyone in between that join us over on Patreon. And as we have been highlighting through the month of February, as we are in preparation for next month's Into the Mouth of March Madness, uh, we're kind of taking a break on the main feed, mm-hmm. but we're highlighting all the content and the episodes that we offer our pallies over on Patreon. Exactly. It's our sampler platter. It's to entice you to join, to Google Gobble with us. And any tier, I think, is going to be perfect for your particular flavor mm-hmm. or distaste of us, as it is, because, listen. Hey, if you want to hate listen, go for it. No, there's not so much as we have hate listens as we have just people that, like, actually like us and support us but don't want to listen to us. Right. <laughs> I think that's, like, half of, the, of yeah. our patrons and our pallies. But there are others that they, like what they, we they do. They pay us to stay away. It's like, okay, cool. Leave but for those alone. of us that actually, uh, you know, we um, are part of, you know what, listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts and they are part of the, they just go along with me, you know, they're part of my everyday thing. So if, ideally, if we're that way for you, I, as again, mm-hmm. as someone that is, I can understand that I dig it. If I dig we're it. we're a friendly voice coming at you, then we're all fucking for it. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I think pretty much everyone at this particular tier uh, are another time tier. And I would like to think this gives the most bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. Because again, you get everything uh, from the Shutter shoutouts, the Friday Night Fright content, the I've Seen That episodes. Once a month, you hear a new horror episode, and the top perk of this tier is once a month, we gather and we watch and talk over a film, mm-hmm. a monthly commentary track, which... There's been some bangers. At this point, we've had a lot of fun mm-hmm. with the journeys we've taken with these movies. Oh, yeah. And a number of gags and bits and shtick have stemmed from Yeah. Those very commentaries. In fact, you can go to our Candyman commentary, <laughs> of which someone here actually gave birth to the little tiny, incredible little, little Candyman, little tiny Candyman, tiny Candyman, and the tiny candy mm-hmm. ads. <laughs> still makes me giggle. But we've also then all of the commentaries at this point again used to be released on the main feed, mm-hmm. have become a Patreon exclusive. And in the month of March, we've always then been doing um, commentaries for the previous Into the Mouth of March Madness uh, winner, which means, uh, I guess, Nightmare Junkhead is the warmest place to hide. Yeah. We're all right, dude. Let us in. The over-under. Let us in. Way over. Right. On uh, bad. Of Brimley. Bad of Brimley. Bad Brimley. Hell, bad Russell, bad all of our impressions. <laughs> we have fun with them, though. Yeah, we do. And yeah, we do. It was tough to figure it's out. the right thing to do and a tasty way to do it. It was tough to figure out which of the commentaries that we should go ahead and put out on the main feed. But but I think if we're going to like exemplify iffy, how iffy we can be. Certainly. And like when we mean what, iffy, now, what we is actually... Iffy? And what is, what is iffy? When it comes to this show, it's actually it all interpretations. All interpretations of the word. We're iffy. But... The actual iffy that we strive for is an acronym. It is uh, informative, funny, and insightful. Mm-hmm. And for the best exemplification of ours being iffy, we figured let's do our most iffiest commentary with an actual film director. And what's wonderful is every... We're blessed with royalty. Well, in every movie we comment on, we're fans of, we have nothing to do and with... no affiliation with anybody making of the film. But, but this the, one. But the one we're going to be, you guys are going to be have a chance to listen to is, uh, without this podcast, I know 
I would have never been able to call this person a friend. Mm -hmm. uh, a genuine, talented individual. Uh, but we are lucky enough to have uh, Jill Gavargazion, uh, the, the GGP herself, offer her services to help uh, with a commentary for the stylist, mm -hmm. which I do believe we give you a shout-out. We, we particularly point to you shaking your booty. <laughs> Tell you said this before, and I say it again: if I ain't working, or if I ain't twerking, I ain't working. But it was wonderful just to number one get a chance to experience this film with her because I believe it was only the second commentary track that she'd recorded at that point. Mm -hmm. I think she's done at least two more. She just released one on another. It was either a streaming service or another podcast. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just loving that people are still finding and making their way to this movie, and it's finding a new audience, and it means a lot of things for a lot of people, but first and foremost, it's like, we're just proud of our friends. Exactly. She put something fucking rad up on the screen, and, and we're extremely happy and proud for her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, from the get. And it's also cool that my ass is in it, and, like, your house is in it. I mean, that's just, that's just icing on the cake. It's... We were happy to help contribute, so thanks, Jill. Thanks, Jill. Absolutely. So GGP, you're fucking rad. So we really um, hope you enjoy this commentary. Now, this is, I believe, streaming on a number of services. Obviously, we really ha we recommend, as you know from last month, the Arrow Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. uh, but we hope you enjoy this. Now, that being said, I know next week we're going to be closing out with the perks of our top tier. Oh, and and then the week after that, the madness is beginning. Thankfully, we are Fuck still recording yeah. way in advance, because now when you say that, I'm like, oh my God, is it? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. We still have time. We got time. We got time. So speaking of another time. Another place. Uh, until that time, this is Greg D. <laughs> I'm Genius McGee. of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that judges the quality of one's character by how much they tip my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's patreon only episode we're doing all we can to break that glass ceiling as we set up an appointment to offer up a commentary for 2020's the stylist mm -hmm. and if you are listening in Thank you for being one of the barbaric barista, ooh, barbaric baristas that help make up our nightmare junkhead film family. And of course, thank you for going beyond squiddly diddly, all up in your hair dead hole. And here in the month of April, we have been focusing on all of our favorite local Kansas City artists. Mm -hmm. And we knew a movie with Casey Flair, a movie that is Kansas City, mm -hmm. very much. Uh, one that we've actually offered a new horror review on the main, uh, not the main feed. Oh no, that's a oh on the Patreon, Patreon exclusive, mm -hmm. as you all know. Uh, we are going to be offering a commentary for Jill Gavargazion's The Stylist. Now we actually have the Blu-ray all set up. Mm -hmm. uh, it is available to stream right now on Amazon and Google Play, but we prefer physical media, of course. Oh, absolutely. Now that being said, we've got everything lined up before the very start of the film so the screen is entirely black and we're going to do a lethal weapon style countdown mm -hmm. we're going to go we're, we're going to go three two one and then we're going to push play yes and 
this is rare genius because you know we always say like fan commentary tracks mm-hmm. we kind of had something to do with this was that going to change oh i think so i maybe possibly possibly uh, we're gonna have a blast with that one so please i got get... my dancing shoes on now i'm ready oh, oh yeah yeah i've got my socially awkward vest on so we'll be <laughs> there as well um so uh let's get everything lined up because we definitely have a journey to go on here and we're going to get that journey started in three two one play all right and welcome back to this month's is it a fan commentary track well normally we say we have no affiliation with the producers directors location or anything but that's not necessarily the case this time yeah, that's very true we actually both have very much um um connection. connective tissues to this literal connective mm-hmm. tissue um because as it turns out if you didn't know if you blink it and you miss it you can see me but one genius mcgee has a great cameo yes in this film uh but this is a movie that is all about kansas city and i mean let's show our bias right off the bat we're fans of. oh we love this movie we love the director we love the producers the writers everybody um, involved wait, hold on someone's what the fuck? hold on man someone's do they have an appointment no we're not doing walk-ins we're, we're not excuse oh. me oh shit but we'll make we'll make an exception for royalty oh 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 right I'm sorry, I didn't see the ears. I mistook you for some other person. Surprise, bitches! (laughs) GGP in the house, director of The Stylist herself. What's up, y'all? Holy shit, let me just say... Let's grab ourselves a glass of wine. And let's kick back, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) A little cognac, Uh or uh, Dr. Pepper in my case. Are you kidding? The minute we realized we were going to do this for the month of April... We wanted to do the stylus for a commentary track, but we were like, I wonder if Jill would be cool with like sitting in with us because you've this movie has been with you for so long now. Talking about it for like a five minute stretch is one thing, but sitting through it yet again is quite another. But because, this is exciting because I get to talk about it specifically. Oh, it, uh, Not just interviews. Oh, no. I've only done one commentary, so. The one that you did with Najara then? Yes. Okay, well, I mean, well, you just recently did a screening of this up in Lawrence not too long ago, didn't you? We are doing it in a couple weeks. Oh, okay, so we're in the future? Shit, well, so this is releases on April 11th. Will that have happened by that point? It's on, we have a screening in Lawrence and Topeka two weeks apart from each other, and I can't <laughs> remember which one's together. which right now. Asking way too much of you at this point. That is not what we like to do. <laughs> but um, obviously, from start to finish, we've kind of seen the journey here. And we don't do scene specific because is the last time Jill sat in with a commentary track uh, was, was Saw Was Family, <laughs> which was a blast because that movie has obviously influenced this film here. We don't do scene specific. What? Oh, no, well, unless unless you go, hey, mother fathers, make this sure is the salon that I actually work in, uh, Bob or shop here in Kansas City. Um, and my friend Lindsay is in the background, who's also actually a hairstylist, Lindsay Solomon, <gasps> who actually also was an assistant on the film doing hair. So I got to ask a question. <laughs> they always talk about right what you know type things, you know, and of course, you being a stylist and this movie's main protagonist is a stylist (laughs) 
Did it ever? Where did the inspiration for making her a killer come from? Because I know when I worked in retail, there was some times like, man, if I could just fucking get those customers, you know, not necessarily go like full ham, but you know, again, like, and if I ever wrote a slasher, it would be about like a, a retail worker, you know. So is this kind of like, is that where the inspiration came from? Or I'm not saying that you have like fantasies about killing uh, people, but I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like no. I really like to make sure people know that it's not where it came from. It right. did come from being a hairstylist and wondering, like, how is there not a film about a hairstylist that kills people? But it's literally not at all like me exercising any anger. I've done that in films, and that's not what this is. Genius, I think we... Jill, can we have an intervention with him at this point? We need to talk <laughs> about genius no, and his No, I'm need. not saying, you know, I mean, that, that's my, my question was, did it come from, like... You know, that's where I was asking, like, not saying you have, like, fantasies of killing people, but I'm just saying, I, I hope that didn't come out. Can we start this question over again? That not, totally did not come out the way I wanted it to. No, I understand people asking that. It's just not at all where it came from for Okay, me. cool. But it was more about, like, this doesn't exist, and it's an opportunity for me to, like, show these relationships that you never see on film, and just, like, everything about this world that's never my, been explored. That's my question, actually, mm -hmm. is how much do people lay on you as a stylist, as telling them you your problem, their problems yeah. and all their goings it's on? It's just like this scene, like, but people are so different. I normally just go off how they are. Like, I don't force them to talk like some hairstylists just like ask mm -hmm. small talk questions nonstop. And some people just like tell you everything like, this one, this woman who played by Jennifer Seward, a lovely Casey actor, um, who gets to be like our Drew Barrymore or Janet Lee, who dies right away. Spoiler alert! Just kidding. Um, and this was like our, you know, us recreating the short film essentially, which was like a major challenge for us. Like, what do we do? Do it exactly the same or what? Well, and that's what's nice with this is the fact that. A lot, of, a lot of shorts can become features, you know, that kind of they, sh they show as a proof of concept. But this one definitely very naturally expands into a feature where you, we can go from the, the shenanigans of Claire into her everyday life. And that's what I love about this movie is it takes its time and it's a, very much a character piece. Um, we, we just had a conversation of where would Teton be in your... Your video rental store, where does the stylist show up? Because we can't say we can't say international in this case and no. be kind of the easy way out. I feel like mine is much more of a horror film than that, so that's where people would put it, you know. But it's and and I love how it's not your basic slasher. It is a character piece, a la maniac, but it's more. Um, she's not raw going around wanting to kill everybody and everything. It's more subdued. It's more of a, a character piece of this sad, lonely girl. You know, it's, it's, I mean, and expanding that from the short, cause I'm telling you, you're short. The first time I saw it, I was just like, just kind of like sniffled <laughs> at the end, kind of like Claire. And I wanted to see where this goes. And I'm, 
And I'm glad that this is the kind of movie that you made as opposed to like, ah, I'm a killer stylist and I'm going around and just killing everybody and everything. And quite honestly, God damn, what an intro. It's beautiful. With the credit sequence like this. Was this something that you, how did you, how was the credit sequence planned out? Because I know you're a big fan of Fincher and Fincher's all about, you know, the, the credit sequence and so forth. Yeah, well, we did like this sort of montage in the in the short where it was kind of, you know, representing while the client's being drugged, having this dream-like thing that it connects to the, her her being drugged, that feeling, and Claire's like going into this dream state of like obsession with the hair, um, and it just seemed like this is a perfect place with being in a feature to do like a credit sequence, and then. I think that was totally John's idea on the like crash of the thing. Directed. He, yes. if in fact he was like, when you see this, you won't, we, you won't let us change it once you see it. I'm like, I can't. What did you do? And like he shows me like, yeah, my director credit on the crash of the glass, and I'm like, that's fucking awesome. It's so fucking rad. John Pata is amazing. Yeah, John yeah. Pata rules. Yeah, but, but do John people Pata's with that shit. that credit sequence will be like, were you inspired by these like? old French films that like that, that really comes from. And I'm sure. like, I haven't even seen those films, but I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm totally that cultured. Um, I've tried to be, but no, those were not. <laughs> um, it just seemed like it was right for the scene. It was, and it became, it became a motif in this film, you know, that we do it like every time she's falling in love with hair, it became a laying like a, a visual language thing we did. This is very much a cinematic movie. It is lush. It is yeah. sumptuous. The Just the unraveling of that her. And, the, and her toolkit. <laughs> I love how that looks. And they use all that in the trailer. I'm like, oh, it's perfect for the trailer. Do you remember seeing like the first official cut of the movie? Like the one that the public was going to see? Because I know there's obviously, well, I would assume there were some iterations beforehand. Um, I don't know what that was like because I watched it like a thousand times before then. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was more like when I watched it with this crowd. Yeah. I felt like it was well, like watching the final version. The fact that this movie has been in your life for how many years? I don't even know now. Right? We finished the well, short film or put this short film out in 16, 2016. Oh, and it's, that's such uh, a good uh, scalp rip. God damn it. It's such I a like good scalp I like that sideways. Rip. We get some of the pull up. And then we we just decided to do the exact same shot from the short film. It, why, well, it, it works. It's effective. And the fact that it just kind of like. But we tilted everything. Slow. Because, you know, there's some movies where like, it'll get ripped. and ah, They'll scream. But the. It just makes it that much more agonizingly wonderful. In, inside info with this, the scalping in the short film went so well. It was like a dream. We were behind the scenes like whisper screaming. Oh, my God, this is amazing. I hope she doesn't stop pulling it off. And you could tell she was struggling with it, which just made it look better. And then the feature, it was very challenging. It like wasn't even wanting to come off of Jennifer's head. It was like so tight. The wig was a little like... So fucking tight. And then with all that skin added mm -hmm. to it, it was incredibly challenging. And then John edits together. I'm like, it doesn't look like we had any freaking challenges. Awesome. Old school. Old school 70s yeah. style. So old school. I love it. 15, like 10 minutes and 12 minutes in the movie. God damn it. And 
I remember watching it. I do remember watching it the first time. And just have a beaming smile on the whole time. Well, and I remember you were sending me pictures, I think, back in the day of like maybe some rough assembly cuts. And I was remember like, Jill, this is like, this is such your movie. And it Pepper. was just Pepper. We all got to stop Pepper. and talk about Pepper, the star of the movie, we talk has about arrived. Pepper. The true story, which I was a little upset. We did reach out to Pepper for the commentary. Snubbed. Oh, she should have came. No, no, she refuses to talk with us, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm also in love with this house. It, from the outside, it looks like Norman Bates' house or something. It's fucking awesome. So where is this the same um, interior as with the exterior? Yes, it's oh. all, and the basement, everything is the same place. And is this the one that's off Independence then? Yes. So this movie is very, very much a Kansas City movie. Everything this is a historic filmed. mansion on Independence Avenue. Yeah, great love which the top i just heard shot. a podcast today say like she clearly makes really good money look at her house and i'm like i thought i hope to make it kind of clear that this was like a family house that's it's, that's why i like all the the furniture is old mm-hmm. it's stuff a lot of stuff i'm expecting someone to interpret i do understand that i don't say it ever kids, kids. um her trophy but, room is beautiful. Normally, like and again, like in some slashers, like the oh killer's lair would be like, like in Mad Men, it's dilapidated and, and it's just—it's more like a grungy blue. Mm-hmm. But coldness. this is beautiful and warm and yellow and orange and red. I mean, the whole movie has these beautiful color motifs in it. So, and co- when we went in this room, they specifically like took out every color but like gold to make it like since it's. We realize, like, yeah, you're saying most serial killer rooms are like cold and scary feeling and gross. This is still like scary and gross, but it has, but it's so like warm. Mm-hmm. And, but we realize, like, this is her story. Everything is to service like her story. And so this is where she goes to feel like safe. And so it just makes sense that it's a warm. And Sarah, our Sarah Sharper production designer, she described it to everyone, which I learned like after we made the film. Um, like a, she described it like a nest, yeah. like it's messy, but it's warm and it's surrounding her. Mm-hmm. So it's like she was like, so they could shoot from any angle and it'd be like candles no matter where you looked surrounding her. And I'm like, wow, it goes and deeper than stuff I even knew till after the movie. And, and she feels safe where she can don yeah. her trophies and she can let her hair down and this like, incredible ah. altar behind her mirror like those are like vintage lights robert stern our dp collected over years to use for this movie. so let's let's give a shout out to both of them because mm-hmm. they're because we had like stars. five years between the movie and we were all planning on making this movie eventually so we all been like marinating on it and picking up things especially for this room like th- we call it claire's lair and it essentially goes through the same stuff Claire goes through, like physically, it like represents her, like mental state and emotional state. Yeah, because then she locks it off. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, breaks I, back in and mm-hmm. destroys it. And and can we give a shout out to Sarah too? Because seeing what she did behind the scenes, and also just a shout out to her van, because that van Pearl. was everything. Is his name is Pearl. It's still going. I saw just saw it on the shoot for Black Mold. Oh, yes. Yeah, look how yes. beautiful. This is like my oh. dream shot. And these uh. blue lights in the background are like a little Romeo and Juliet nod mm-hmm. to the funeral scene. They, It's all like warm candles except for these neon blues. And that's okay. You have definitely, people assume you've seen 
all these movies, this and that, that you're calling upon them with your influences because you have a specific aesthetic at this point, even between your shorts and this feature film. And okay, I, I also like the inclusion of that. Was that Eric, you, or what, was that one of the Erics or you Which when it came part? to the little text coming up on the screen like that? Um, that was, I really had to figure all that, how that would happen visually. Um, they helped write that with me. I can't even remember actually who wrote all the text conversations, but I had to figure out like, how are we going to show that? And like here, I know you're, which big I ripped from like euphoria and insecure. A lot of HBO shows I felt like did it the best way. Like just a simple subtitle instead of like designing it in some text blurb, all techie looking. <laughs> Cause that like ages it faster. I think. I love the duality. <clears throat> and on the left, is that down in uh, f- uh, by like uh, Happy Gillis and all that yes, place? Yes. Okay. And Col- Columbus again, Park. You can have a walking tour of this film here, like how Kramer did in uh, Seinfeld with the mm-hmm. was it the Peterman. I would tour? love that to happen. I am telling you, I, you literally could. In fact, here in October, let's talk because I think there could be some fun to have with that and to celebrate. Everything that is Kansas City about this movie, uh, Bria yeah, Grant. We show it off. Ah, uh, who I I can say I've had in my basement without that necessarily being creepy. Without some context, you better add some context. To I it. guess you're right. Yeah, uh, I've been a big fan of for quite some time, and when I realized I found out that you guys were going to be collaborating together, it's an amazing cast. I mean, between Bria and Najara. Oh yeah. By the way, okay, we're talking about your first feature film. On an Arrow Blu-ray that is loaded with content. And I'm not talking about the German one that is <laughs> a piece of art. I mean, the fact that so many people... Get, Linda! My co- the coffee shop near my house. Uh, sorry, we're going to do that a lot through this commentary. I apologize. <laughs> uh, not every... That's how... It's how, incredible. It's, it's ridiculous. It's insane. It is... Every, it's amazing. I am... When I heard that, I was in awe. When I saw how this movie came about, I was in awe. I mean, everything about this is just, it's cool. And your influences, that, that split screen that came up, was that a De Palma nod? Was that, did that, was that in the script? How did that one? Cause that was not in the script. It was definitely influenced by De Palma. Um, I was watching Sisters in pre-production, and suddenly I was like, oh, my God all of this sequence makes sense to be like half or all of it in a split screen and like end revealing where Claire is in relation to Olivia through the split screen because they do something just like that in beginning of sisters. And I was like, it's like we wrote this for it to happen this way, but we were just going to cut, you know, like this whole sequence. Now we're going back and forth from Claire and Olivia showing their lives and how they're different, but the same. And, so I was like, that just makes sense to show this different, but the same literally side by side. Um, we couldn't do the whole thing, but it's like, we keep coming back to it. Like we'll cut back to it in a second. And especially with the text and there's even a whole text split screen sequence in euphoria, which I was like, I loved how it's like, here's a modern example of how this works. Here's, you know, like De Palma's mm-hmm. and so we, and I was like, so I was like, so we can totally do it. And there's a, even, and even the euphoria conversation is a text split screen 
ending them in the same room so the line just disappears. And I was like, we want to do something like that, bringing them together. Okay, I re- uh, was ru- rules of attraction. Did you ever? Do you remember that one? It's been a minute since I with Vanderbeek. Yes, that movie's awesome. And that scene when it's him and Sossaman and they're doing that perspective and they they meld. It's a it's a splitter and then they meld into the one. I don't remember that one, but yeah, go back to that one. That one plays pretty well. I had the most awkward theatrical experience watching that because <laughs> there is there's a suicide sequence. And the song that's building into the suicide sequence is Eric Carmen's um, All By Myself, that one. Uh-huh. There were like three of us in the theater. And there's this girl, lady by herself in the front. She's singing along with the song. And I can read the writing on the wall. I know what's coming. I know this is not ending well. But she's just having a good old time singing and when the suicide scene hits, she shuts up. And so I'm watching her and you can just see her going, huh? And just immediately runs like, oh my fucking God. It was awkward as all get out. But needless to say, <laughs> ugh, sorry. Oh sorry. my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was a moment. But that movie has a great split scene delving into one sequence there. That would be an awkward screen. It was horrible. I'm having a good time. Well, first of all, she shouldn't have been singing loudly in the movie theater. So that's her own damn fault. That's 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 karma. That's come up and made the finger feel crunchy. Yeah, you should watch the movie. Enjoy react, but don't like (laughs) sing. It it, ain't American Idol. It was it's AMC, you know, like. (laughs) And I actually think it was down on the plaza as well as that old (laughs) Cinemark. So, yeah, it was. All sorts of nasty. Uh, to expand upon Claire's life, to go day to day, I actually really enjoyed eventually that the whole sequences, the morning sequences of the getting, especially the getting up and the immediately checking the phone. And I'm not old by any means, but I'm older. I'm still kind of attached to my phone in a weird way. And I mm-hmm. like little bits of that. I love Claire being kind of an awkward person trying to find footing in her world. Claire's, I think, kind of found a lot of people in the world at this point. I mean, a lot of people have reacted and responded to her, especially just the fact that more people are finding the film. Have you found people at this point kind of reaching out to you and, ah, there it is again, the great two shot? Because aside from like, the murders she feels very real you know she feels like an actual real person like someone you would meet on the street this is the exciting moment i gotta talk about this (laughs) lay it out um this was hard as hell this like split zoom that we do to reveal that claire's like followed her home um because we have to shoot them at separate times you're trying to like have it zoom at the same speed and land at the same moment. So, I mean, it's like the, the zoom lasts 12, maybe what, however many seconds it needs to land at the same time. And there's a human operating it. So it's not like this actually, like there's mistakes here, like on the side where Claire's in the car on the right, on the left side, she is looking up and the light does not light up on her face. Like it does on the right. It like does not match for a split second. And Robert and I, the DP, had to convince John, our editor, like, we're going to live with this mistake. 
and he was very unhappy with that. Tim. <laughs> Which is fair. Tim. But, um, he he's like it's just mis- like we're admitting it's not matching, and we're just gonna live with it. Yeah. And yeah. But see, I wouldn't have noticed that I until never you. I wouldn't have noticed yeah. that like, until you put that because saying, anyone that notices it is gonna be like someone that's literally dissecting the I film. I hope somebody and got it. fired for that blunder. I mean, and that's like an, a compliment if anyone's paying that's close right. that attention. But see, I was more focused on how cool it was, how yeah. one unfocuses... But it was a whole thing. And then just... Yes. John, you, I don't know if you're listening. I'm sorry. But yeah, John's like, we are not putting this this in the it movie. Should be a little insignia on like every copy of you know that particular scene is not endorsed by one John Pata. There's like a little asterisk. We little even little. like did all kinds of work to like try to lighten up one to make them match as much as we could. We're like, yeah, her head's not moving in the other one. We just are looking. It's like a split second. It, and again, I never would have. Now, do, have you? Let me ask you I was this. Like head. we set this all up for this. We're going to live with this little tiny thing. Fuck yeah. It's the shit. Now, do, any special shout outs to anyone in the background there? Um, I saw Lindsay. Well, what I love Lindsay. is this is like every hairstylist in the movie, except for Najara, is a legitimately a hairstylist. They're not actors. And I was like, because I wanted just to look real um, and not be. I've seen hair in movies and it just they're just like pretending to kind of paint one thing or it's like. That's not even how it would be clipped. Stuff like I mean, it just drives me crazy. You're going for authenticity. And we taught Najara like how to clip off hair when she was doing stuff and made sure it looked right. And we're actually using Sarah Sharp, production designer, producer, extraordinaire, all the things. Her hands are like the half the time a like hand double in these like close ups. No, really? obviously this stuff like has to be Najara, but we have like close ups. And even the hair washing, blow drying, curling, and close up. This is, is that? this might be Sarah's hands. I don't remember. We did both because it's like you would never <laughs> d- doubt it because you cut right to Najara's face. So so under we just painted credit, painted Najar painted their hands the same nail polish. So under producer credits, stunt hands. Because Sarah is also a cosmetologist and has that experience, and it's like oh, I wanted it to have that like when you've been doing hair for a, a decade more. It's just like touching hair is just like second nature. It's not this. Even though Najara had like, she got a mannequin head that we use in hair schools. She had it in her house for like six months, like blow drying the hair regularly. Like she took this like very seriously, like wanted to look as natural as she could Mm -hmm. in that much time. But you can't like have 15 years of experience in six months, no matter how much work you put into it. But she even cut people's hair, her friend's hair, her mom's hair. I'm like, all these people sacrificing their hair to the arts. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a truly collaborative effort from mm-hmm. like people related to the films yeah. to people literally related. And it's cool. Like, so our hairstylist on the film would then step in and do Bria's hair like this in this fancy wedding do, and then we have to make it look like Najara just did it. <laughs> and it's a whole thing. Acting! And now I, I learned why I'm like, this is maybe why they haven't made a movie set in a salon. Like, the continuity of shooting, styling hair is a nightmare. Because it's in, like, phases, and you can't, like... You oh, shoot from, you you shoot from a multiple angles. Yeah. That's why we didn't do any haircuts up close. Like, that's not gonna be a thing unless you just shoot it from one angle and it's yeah. real and you move on because you can't oh. be like oops okay put but, it back on you know but i had to like make have all the women in the background have 
Right. They had phases of actions. I was like, in this part, you're doing phase one. So they, they'd be doing the same stuff in the background because we shoot the scene from oh so many God. different angles. And they're not used to that kind of stuff. Not They're not actors. And these are their like, actual clients. This is Ashley in the background who's a does curly hair. Shout out, Ashley. Specialty. Dude, that's that's actually rad. Specialties within I because again I don't know anything about hair. And I thought it was cool. Like in the beginning of the scene, Claire's like staring at her, like doing the curls up close. I was like, we have a little special close up of you in the movie. And the Angela behind her right there is, you can't see her, but she's. We shot the short film in Angela Dupuis salon, which is called the Bird Cage. Oh wow! So I was so. like, you're coming back to be. And she was also in the short. She's the stylist that like leaves in the beginning of the scene. I feel her in this scene. This scene was so important to me. I feel her so hard trying to like, okay, what do I do? I'm supposed to bring something. Oh my God. And I love that cut from the salon. She's like awful of hope and excitement. And then boom. boom. And the music like sells it when it's just like. She's out of her element. And Nick, Nick Ehler, our composer. I worked with him like on all my short films. This was like a dream to make a feature finally. And his score has been released on vinyl by Burning Witches Records. So cool. It's also, you can you know stream it on Apple. It's also that's, available. That's different. That's the soundtrack. But oh, it has okay. one song from the oh, score. Damn so it's like songs. Songs from which the stylist. Which we have a lot of songs in here, surprisingly. You don't Curses. realize. <laughs> that means I'm going to be buying the vinyl then. But I love that Bria's wearing sex, drugs, and rock and roll t-shirt. We're really lucky, and this is actually really hard to get like graphic tees for a indie film because you can't show logos and stuff. This was courtesy of uh, Wyco Vintage. They sell like vintage t-shirts, yeah. mostly bands, uh, streetwear, and they helped us find stuff that didn't have like copyrights tied to it. That we- so Bria's character, I wanted her to be like. Cash like stylish, but she wears like t-shirts with cool jackets. And earlier, she's wearing this shirt that had like a helicopter on it that says, "I get high on scorpions" or something <laughs> weird. Like it's not even related to the scorpions band. It is I, like it has made no sense. Well, and honestly, the character of Olivia is really kind of rad. She's cool. She is cool. She's one I would like to be able to hang out with. I would and listen. To this crazy. Like I love how like much. Th- Every department interpreted these characters so, like, perfectly. Like, the wardrobe was Hallie Sharp, uh, which is Sarah Sharp's sister. They worked together a lot. And she understood, like, these characters are representing, like, opposites and the same. But opposites in that, like, Claire is so, like, rigid and everything is, like, needs to be planned. And she knows what's going to happen ahead of time. And so her clothes represent that. This is weirdly one of the most flowy things she wears. Normally it's all very, like, tight and... And then Embria's like just loose in t-shirts and like looks like effortlessly cool when her her stuff looks very like planned out in detail. And their color palettes like and here she's going to steal like a purple thing and their worlds start to like fuse like with colors and everything. Well, color is practically a character in this movie given just uh, the, the, the set design the the costuming the hair and color i think has always been important in every of your work i think if, if i think of a jill gavargazian film i'm thinking something with color very striking color. i'm obsessed yes. with color which was a huge like david fincher influence and just like every filmmaker i love oh, is so when i learned that it could not just be an aesthetic choice 
superficially like it can have meaning I was like of course but it when I realized the meaning and especially zodiac and it, that it represented a time changing the kind of things you wouldn't perceive unless you studied something but like but it those kind of deep decisions by a filmmaker I think is what makes it work on a level you don't consciously know why sure until you like obsess over it and watch <laughs> videos and read about it and in interviews and that's the best part though i mean if it's just a surface of thing people go yeah it looks great good but then when people really get into it they go oh well what's the meaning behind that and especially with a compelling character like claire and especially the fact that najar was really able to bring her to life and now how much do you th how much was did najar bring to the character just to the script, um, to the performance. So much. She, um, we we're so lucky to be work. In hindsight, we wanted to make the film much sooner, but it just benefited from it because she read like every version of the script. And then we actually, when we actually were like, we're gonna make this thing now. Um, like, like I was saying, even just the dedication to like wanting to understand what it's like to be a hairstylist and work with hair. But she also like journaled as Claire she helped build <clears throat> her background with me like I gave her all all these notes I had about who I think she was and where she came from and these few specific memories and then she taught me she was like that's what I do like it's not just about like a general background that people will write it's like very specific memories that like form you and just from there but like she would journal about journal each night after we would shoot like about the scene she'd be doing the next day and because she'd be going through so much like this is a very challenging character and she's in like ev almost every single shot mm -hmm. doing like very emotional heavy stuff and so yeah that's a lot there would be days i was worried that we asked too much of her and I'm, i've learned more and more how much we need to take the emotional journey that the actor's going on through the day into account for the schedule because it's all like the logistical stuff is what everyone's thinking about first and it's like well what are you asking an actor to do like they're upset here and then they're fine and then maybe they're upset again and then <laughs> it's like that's not that's too much <laughs> yeah. i think it's kind of amazing to think about <clears throat> scheduling that around the persona of the actor and everything they have to go through well this is this was your first feature though so now yeah you're going to take that to the next one Ideally, it, would assume, you know. Wait, this is a dream shot I stole from another old film. Um, the film Persona by Bergman, which you guys need to watch. That was like in when I learned about Sisters. I was reading House of Psychotic Women, Kayla Genesis' film, um, which she's doing a new version, the 10th edition, and the stylus is going to be included. This is literally my dream Holy fucking shit. come true. Nice. I could have never even dreamed of. That's... Um, That's so cool. But she has a whole section in her book about doppelganger films and like wanting like opposites and wanting to become another woman and um, black swans in there in that section. And but that's where I discovered s sisters and three women in persona, which are sisters is least like that than those are. If you haven't seen three women, that's Sissy Spacek and Shelley Duvall. Also another like mm. obsession story persona is too and there's an entire shot where there's a whole conversation like this intentionally blocking the actor behind to kind of show them be fusing and i was like just so inspired by that visual 
and then I learn more in like stacking is something you use all the time to show characters coming together because normally you would intentionally make sure there's room between the people but Claire like wants to be absorbed into her and that's kind of like what we're trying to say but I was really like we were really trying to like be artsy fartsy here like we're gonna do this whole scene just one shot a one, it's a one it's like yeah six seven minutes and I, but i knew it, with these two actors like it was like the first shot take we did we were like that was great and then when rob and i were looking at each other we we're like i guess we'll do it again just because <laughs> but i mean that's a long shot yeah and honestly working with actors like this like the first shot you barely have to do very many takes. Um, it's really when we would do challenging camera stuff that we'd have to redo stuff. And even this, I was like, this is all part of it. I was like, then it starts to zoom. When she gets up, we don't even show the guy walking, yeah. which is so like, doesn't make sense <laughs> in a normal film. Look. But we were like, we really like, the camera was like, is Claire. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's not literally her POV. Like, No, but this is but her movie. Like, she... Uh-huh can barely even look at him. She's so like in, uh, embarrassed and ashamed. It's like, and this is the moment where her heart broke, you know, just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was. It's funny because he interrupts her and that becomes such a conversation. Um, but it's like. Oh, he's well, not really me. He, it's funny. We, we paint him mean for, from her perspective. Sure, he, right. But he's not really. He's just came home from work and he's tired. But she views it crazy and that's and that's not really what upsets her it's more like she's felt incredibly vulnerable in this moment but the fact that she's like i should have said this why the fuck did i say that again i've had so many people say this is such a relatable thing mm -hmm. maybe not that you're gonna go kill someone next but just how that feels right i was gonna say this so this one hit me hard too you know i was like oh i know i'm like man i should have said that why did i uh well, you you guys you you created when she a, looked in the fucking mirror rear view and the tear fell. We were all like, "Amazing!" Uh, and Najara is a real act, real crier who does not use those tear things that everyone uses. I just want to say she's incredible. <laughs> so the daughter from One Cut of the Dead would be proud. <laughs> she knows she knows her influences. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out. This is a shot just down the street from my from my house. This Split is log coffee. Pendleton Heights, absolutely. Uh, I walk Charlie by there every single day, and every single day I'm like, yeah, it's a stylist was shot there. I feel bad for the barista because I know for a fact it's a pain in the ass when that last minute customer, and you're like, oh man, and, she right, likes right. Claire, and then she, exactly well, she's like, yeah, I'm gonna be cool, and so the next thing you know, she like for her troubles. She gets off. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. You know? I, this I is like Sarah McGuire, an actor I was, I have known forever in Kansas City and wanted to work with. and just didn't have a role until now. And I was like, what do you think about getting brutally killed as a barista? She kills it. She kills it. Uh, well, it, And this one going wrong. This is like also yeah, so representative of Claire's mental state. Like, mm-hmm. this is not part. like her to go kill someone so randomly someone that she knows well, and actually like is nice to her social with yeah. well knows her order claire has a code and now she's kind of going against the code i should tell some insight this was when eric stoles the like third writer came on who wrote um late phases yes. that mo- most people would know yes. him from 
Um, the f- before he came on this this kill didn't exist or mine, and oh. so there was way less of a of a slasher. Oh wow! And I was worried about adding kills, and he really like he made me understand this motivation. And how when Claire has just left from Olivia's, like having told about her past and she feels like horrifically vulnerable, like she's like desperate to feel control again, which is killing and getting hair makes her feel. She's like, it's not anything to do with this character specifically other than she's unfortunately there. And because it does, does like hurt my soul a little bit. I'm like, but this barista is so nice to her, but it's just like this goes this is how much she needs that control again. And it's all just set up to then be like, she gets the text from Olivia mid kill. It's like, Oh, everything was fine. I have no reason to be freaking out. And now I'm, then Oops. this kill goes totally fucking Oops. wrong. Oh, the big, the beginning of the downward spiral. Yeah. That, that's just it. It is the beginning of everything like that. Well, that's the other thing. There really aren't any bad people no. in this movie. In a lot of horror films, you're rooting for a lot of them to die. You don't really want any comeuppance in no, this. No, you feel bad for Claire. You feel for Claire. But the girl, you, there's some mean girls, obviously. But Right, you know. I mean, but you feel... you you. She's not like a monster, no. you know? Again, and Olivia, you feel bad for Olivia. You don't want her to die, too, because she's a good person. I love the music change when those texts show up. It's like... Mm. Oh. When me and Nick went through the film, he is so just... He like gets what I'm trying to do, but we just talk about the film like on an emotional level. It's not even about like specific t- sounds or type of sound. It's just like we go through it like, what should it feel like here? And along with, like I was saying with the camera, we were like, it should always represent how Claire feels. So it's not ever to like scare the audience, it's to bring them in on her side. And it's like, so what does that mean when she's like chasing people? It's like, hunting music instead of chasing music and we were like what does that even mean we had to talk all that out <laughs> that's well and that's that a whole idea of the, again the collaboration but talking having film language to talk about be they references a feeling um and just increase oh my god that's gruesome here's where we bring back the classic mm-hmm. line from the short film we were like you what sarah you can fuck, say claire? what the fuck claire <laughs> which we had in the short film, Jennifer Plass says it, and I had no idea it was going to get laughs, and it became like the gr- thing that everyone loved. In the calling card. And we had what to bring it fuck, back. Claire? But to see then Claire lose it like this. This is yeah. one of those classic moments I wanted to do. You see in so many movies where you're stabbing and you go crazy. I'm like, we're doing it. Oh. <laughs> oh. And just the blood splatter, the it's, more visceral it gets. It's that next. was the most bloody night i think for claire well kind of mostly (laughs) oh no and again she loses control she's she's gone off the wayward path i do roll my eyes yeah i know she just fucking throws the woman right into the trash bag can that she was using here in kansas city she's gonna get caught soon no no she's she puts a red tag on it we're fine they'll haul it away yeah, we have Kansas good City waste management care. services here. I love that fucking shot in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Shooting Toby the to the front store. counter. As you know, our Toby Hooper shout out, even though they spelled it wrong in the freaking caption. Well, yeah, they did, didn't they? Sorry, Arrow Video. 
That's okay. We we appreciate. Close oh my god, this guy here. James Dara is the funniest motherfucker, and I want to work with him more. I've known him forever, and I was like, I don't want to offend you by this small role, but I just know you're going to nail how awkward I need this moment to be. And like people will laugh at it. I'm like, I fought so hard to keep that scene in the movie and the wine moment because they're so small big moves to get like two shots but i'm like but they are like very important to like the general like flow of the film but i was like when he's like locking someone in or out and she's like out def- like totally serious and he's like uh wrong crap like his reaction is just so perfect when like the real world interacts with her and they don't know really what they're in for at the right moment, he's assume. incredible you never assume well you know what we talk about sometimes like in um Larry Cohen and Frank Hennen Lauder with their films. The background characters. And I Some also know what it's like how to make a joke backfire. Huh? Oh. <laughs> My bad. Ooh. Claire coming from the lair. Ooh. Locking it up. Locking it in. Yep. We had to have that yellow ribbon on there. The Claire yellow everywhere. Is Can I tell you how much we were like doing the sound of like how loud should the key clink when it hits the fucking cement floor <laughs> at least it didn't go when you're listening to it, you're like well now i don't even know what sounds normal anymore because you're just listening to the mm-hmm. sound if a key yeah if a key <laughs> drops in the woods doesn't make a sound and was it is it loud and obnoxious i think this pepper moment is the cutest i love the light the scene is like so warm like it's like she's just Aww. it's like she's just locked up her serial killer habit and she really has a chance at a new life Morning, like doo, not doo, doo, not doo, for doo, long, doo, but doo. right now we feel hopeful. Pepper. And look at that cute motherfucker, pepper. pepper killing it in this. I quite honestly, that's impressive. My Just, only complaint is she should be in it more, and that's okay. my fault. That's a fight for I should have made sure she was in the last basement scene. Every time I watch the last basement scene, I'm like, why didn't I put her in the scene? <laughs> but it's wonderful how she gets cheers whenever uh, yes. she shows on the screen in Kansas City. Watch her like, three leg hey. hop. Is it this the, is bloop, bloop. <laughs> at one point she really did go to the other side of the yard and poop while we're filming. We're like, Pepper, that's not supposed to happen on a camera. <laughs> it's actually, outtakes. She, she really, she really does well. Just uh, knowing she's what, got screen presence. Yeah, very much so. I love that. <laughs> she's a natural. Uh huh. Natural star. Pepper's oh, and, a star. That's she's always going to be there. How nice is that? That is like is nice. the best thing. I still have a picture. It's nice of, and terrifying. Well, but this will be immortalized. It's I've got a picture when she's gone behind wow. the scenes of Lola that night in the basement when everyone's down there and she's on her little bed. That dog never. Oh, that dog never had gas. But that night she had <laughs> gas. She's nervous because all all the people. Like, why are all these people in my house? What's happening? Uh, but like, she responded well. Now Charlie. Oh, but Gary, not. scary Gary's about to have a cameo, even via text. Let me ask you: Did you get? Did his eyebrows get like special credits? Did they get like a SAG card? <laughs> there. No, this scene full of people. There's Eric Havens in the background, mm-hmm. one of the Eric. co-writers. Oh, yes. He's coming in to say his uh, sister-in-law has been missing. Ooh. Claire's like, oh, shit. These Oops. Zooms these zooms were also like something we like gave a, like, a rule for. They happen like when, you know, Claire's paranoid and crazy. I've, but 
poor Gary was like, don't zoom out my face out so fast. <laughs> but this shot is like psychotically rich with color. I don't even know if we meant oh. for it, but it's just like crazy. It's, I love it, but it's holy shit. I remember watching you guys work. What is it? The, the, the focus zoom or the pull zoom or whatever is that that's called? Like pulling focus, dripping. What, what the hell is that? Drip. Not, 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 <laughs> not the drip, drip. Not the drip. Not the drip. There's Instead both of, things, but when someone operates the camera, then someone else controls the, yes, the that focus. Yes, Yeah. That Record should, bar. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Record bar shout out, which yeah. was really where we shot. And it was cool to like actually Man, call that. it that in the film. Mm-hmm. Were they good with that? Hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. They'd be good with that. Literally, Claire, always in yellow. Yeah. Hallie Sharp made my wardrobe dreams come true, which I don't know how we did on our budget. Because <laughs> she has like five. Claire literally has like 30 outfits in the movie. Another adorable Pepper moment. We're like, we'll have this montage. It's like the classic girl movie montage where she changes outfits. But we're like, but this is Claire's version. It's not going to be like poppy music. And she's like, she basically needs to be disappointed with every single one. (laughs) And then it goes back to the original dress. Even though she looks fucking gorgeous in half of these. Some of them are like, Claire, you're not going to wear this 1980s grandma dress to the club. Right. I mean, you, you look fantastic. <laughs> but I do love that she still wear. wears something that's like very unique and mm-hmm. it like has this classic vibe while still it's like super hot. It's still very Like clear. it's still very sexy, it's... but still very like old fashioned looking in its own mm-hmm. way. She's like, stay up. Or I left out a treat. When Pepper did that little lay down, oh. we're like, oh, we're using that in the movie. That's in there. That's in. Oh my God, I love. Here's where we go full Argento because I was like, we're in a club. We really did make our like crazy lighting decisions. We like, we had to make, we decided like they would be from natural place, like from real places that make sense. That would have that what? Like in the salon where that pink light, there's like a neon outside. But here we were like, yeah, in the club, we're going crazy. Where's our boy? There he is is twerking. You'll see him even more at the very end of this sequence oh there's oh, more of the the twerking when genius? she walks away oh i did not know we got more of that i i was a- here we go one two three oh, he's in the background <laughs> for a while there no, I'm not and like lie. everyone i know is in that freaking well, scene the, okay so even people that are in the movie at other points and shouldn't be there are there are there but you wouldn't know it unless you're crazy well no we got chelsea on the end who owns the salon that we shoot in just being one of our ma- main extra bachelorette girls shout them all out this is this is a, there's andrea there's right andrea there. that was a fun night and then kelsey nichols on the far, far uh, left she came just to be an extra and we're like we're making you one of the featured bachelorette girls but it was so cool to shoot in record bar and i cannot believe between the lighting and the design set design what sarah and our lighting team and we had help from platinum kc which they do like events so they have tons of like drapes and cool lights and because we cut the record bar like in half we mm-hmm. made it look like it's half oh, the size because well, again this is that's the... hard to fill up and make like like pe- like it's a club like there aren't just five people there and you're just moving them around to make it look full <laughs> <laughs> and this was just that this is just one night this was the the ex with the extras were just one night we shot all this stuff in the bathroom a different night mm-hmm um, and this was actually the night before the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, which is absolutely insane. It was a lot of us stayed and went straight to the parade after working for 12 oh, hours. Hip hop music playing. Oh, my God. It was so exciting. 
I'm a huge hip hop fan. You barely see rap music in freaking horror movies. It's also expensive to get real songs in movies. And we were lucky to have, these are both so- songs by uh, Cap Callis and Leah Mack that we have in the scene. And we have one from Eddie, Easy Eddie, who's one of the actors in the scene. One of his songs is in the scene as well. It was so cool to have like R&B and rap in a movie. And I plan to keep doing that. But I was so, I was like, there's actually a reason for it. They're going to a club and we're not going to do the, the typical techno club. Because that is not my vibe at all. And we had, this is perfect. At the end of these lyrics, it says something like, I get the blood off my shoes. And I'm like, she literally does that at a part of the movie. Yeah. We oh. have to use the song. So that wasn't planned. That was a nice, happy accident. Yeah. God damn it. I love when that happens. Yeah. My ho- my homie Cap Callis, he let me listen to like his whole album. I'm like, could we? Could we like to have a couple of songs for the movie? <laughs> Please, come and at least w- one of them is on that the soundtrack on the Arrow, on the CD that it comes oh, with. Nice. I will be burning it to my thing there. Ah, oh, goddamn! Between the glassware, this shot. This is another one of the long shots, but it was like. I always had this visual, like this is like that mafia shot, like the two people in the back of the club, right? Yeah. They sit in the circle booth. Talking nefarious shit. Like when I was telling Rob, like how I pictured it, like I think it was even Dave Risner, our gaffer, who our lighting guy, he was like, he totally got, he was like, I was trying to describe it. And then he was like, it's the mafia shot. And I was like, I didn't think about it in those terms, but that is exactly what I mean. Awesome. But then like we actually had like Rieger, a Kansas City liquor, shout out sponsor us and like we're featuring one of their bottles right there and like we made one of their fancy drinks but yeah we had so much help to make this club scene look awesome it does look awesome and that's a hard thing to pull off without and i was so intimidated as a director i've never worked with like a 50 extras in the background Mm -hmm. but then i learned with a with shorts, we don't have as big of a team. I don't have like a, three assistant directors, <laughs> and but on a feature, you need multiple. And like, so they handle the extras. It's not like I was just imagining I had to do do all of this by myself. And and I was like, oh, I I still only need to deal with like the the talking talent. And so everyone else, I could like go over there and be like, move those people around. But I won't actually have to be like tell each person what to do and where to stand. Tell that jackass to stop I'm dancing. Like, right. Tell that big dude going that around geni- fucking up. Genius. Move him to the other side of the room. Um, um, behind the curtain. What's funny is even Lindsay, my, one of my best friends who's playing the hairstyles in the salon. She was, a waitress in the bottom of the club when Claire first walks in carrying all these glasses and we always joke like Claire do- Claire doesn't notice her her impl- you know person she works with is working in the club too Dude, that's uh, and walking right by her you know what that's independent independent film that's a Walt Flanagan and, like, and Clerks every single wait that. every single one of us in the the crew members who were not like holding something. We're in the very, very back just to fill it up. Like, even I'm in the back of some of those shots. And then in the out when she leaves, when all the girls are coming out, it's literally just crew members because we were like, somebody needs to be out here. Like, there's people, like, smoking cigarettes and waiting for Ubers and whatever. We have Jim, our, like, DIT, our data intake guy, acting as security outside the club. Oh, that's even better. Okay, he happens to be wearing a shirt that day that says security. I'm like, like you didn't plan on, like you weren't trying to audition to be our security guard. Oh, I just happened to be oh, well, here in this, this shirt. I don't know what's yeah. happening. Matter of well, fact, uh, Jill, 
Okay, so here these... is where we went crazy with the Argent. Look at that red oh, and blue it's... dream shot mm-hmm. right there. Sumptuous, dude. But these are the only two really where we get a little bit of like venom. We had to do the bitchy bathroom scene. It's like iconic. Yeah, this... It's in Neon Demon. It's in American Mary. Yeah. Which we so I was also like we need to go crazy into the color like there's no light but like red or red. It's like Argento's bathroom. Yeah, I don't think I could go to the bathroom in that place. <laughs> I would just be looking for black gloves. And we, and we added all of that because that's not at all what the regular bar bathroom looks like. It's funny you go in there and you're like, oh, it's just normal lights and there's no there's no red or blue or scariness. Boo earns. Oh. Ooh, forget it's about yeah. That's that's life is over now, man. Well, Makeup's she's ruined. All about dress control. is fucked. Everything needs to be perfect. Everything's ruined. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not that OCD. We would, we would laugh I, when we shoot this part. I can't remember what it says in the script. Like something poetic. Like I feel like Stoll's added this, and he's like. It's like three words about how the world is in and ended because she got makeup on her dress. I'm like, but that is how it feels for her. It is that intense. I've kind of been there and done that. Uh, there have been the most minute things in the world. That's literally all of us. And Hallie had to throw random coats on us because like we were not dressed to look like we were at the club. We're all just like in black t-shirts, you know? <laughs> oh, and it was fucking cold. That was very cold. That <laughs> oh, yeah, stretch we had February. in Kansas City. Yeah, February, we, yeah, we tend to shoot a lot of independent films in like February and March because it's when everyone is less busy with bigger projects. You're like, cool. So as long as you're not doing when we're doing this stuff, too many outdoor films. As long I think we have that. Austin Wagner, our um, unit production manager, pulling up his car to be the Uber there. I love it. I love that. <laughs> I always laugh at like, turn on the lights. It takes a little too long. T- there you go. Finally, turn them on. Don't worry. <laughs> we've been, we've all been there. We've all been there. I was stoked about all these driving scenes because it's like lots of stuff I was calling to like taxi driver, the icon, fucking night crawler, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. yes. And there's some good driving stuff in even the new, the remake of Maniac with Elijah Wood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of so cool mirror and shots. I, I finally got to watch May for the first time as well not too long ago. This was like a total mistake. This zoom on this fucking mirror our dude was just doing to get just to get there and we were like we're going to use that actual movement. That's insane. It's real driving. It's good stuff. Yeah. I'm like I in a few seconds ago in the beginning of the zoom I think we took it out in a later version. I don't fuck why is it in this one? You can see the rig. You can see the reflection of the rig on the on the street for a second, which only only someone who works on movies is going to notice that. But still, it's like like we can see the rig at the beginning of the shot. If you see what the camera like that car looks like, there's like two cameras hanging off of it. It looks insane. Do you see this movie as a completed thing or are you constantly looking at the stuff that you wanted to do or couldn't do? Like, do you have closure with this? I have closure with it, but the further I get away from it, the more I can see like what we could have slimmed it down or, of course, made it better. And a lot of that w- partly made me think like, what, would we benefit from taking a break from the film after we shot it? We're all in a rush to get it finished, but to have more space from it, then you come back to it because you're so precious with it that close. You're like, don't want to cut anything out. Right. But we actually, the most cutting we did was in this sequence. Really? This stalking Monique home, who's played by Millie Milan. So when I had put in like a lot of stuff in small roles, it was kind of like Sarah McGuire. I couldn't wait to have her in something bigger. 
Eddie running up. We had this designer, Farrah World, do- donate that cool-ass jacket. The Girls, Girls, Girls neon sign is completely VFX. It's badass. It's completely fake. Yeah, because that's... Digitally added by like, Danny Del Purgatorio. He's a badass. Wow, that's impressive. That is cool. That looks really good. Because I was like, I don't remember seeing that anywhere in town. We, when she goes inside, you see a red light flashing. And we're like, we're going to create a neon outside where that's coming from. Justified it. But we cut out a whole sequence of like coming inside with the couple, seeing them make out and like pass out before Claire came in. And we just realized... And they even said this to me before we shot it, so this is my fault. Um, that like this was the only time we like left Claire, other than with Olivia, which was mostly to show them side by side. So it was like well, it doesn't make sense. It's, it felt more like a slasher in that way. Like we went to their perspective for a moment. Like so, we just decided to not leave her, and the which it all made sense. And thank God it's not any longer. Oh my God! But um, I feel bad for Eddie. Um, Edward Patterson who plays he's literally just playing his real name in here but he had a much beefier role before we decided to take that out Just cause, but I'm like it's not you it's just it didn't make like right. lend to the narrative in the end Um, but then I also get like you wish you're like well why the hell we spent all that time shooting it <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it is and no, but I really do feel that way. I'm like, I wish it was 15 minutes shorter. That's it's too fucking long. But the the further I get away from it, I see where we could have slimmed it. But we would have had to like been okay with losing things we shot, Probably like whole yeah. scenes. Well, it's again, it's your first feature. You're you're learning. I mean, if anything, this is the one that a lot of I made Monique's last name Carter on the prescriptions. Shout out to Lil Wayne. Oh, I guess Jay Z's last name's Carter too. All the mm-hmm. rap Carters. As we sit behind with rap snacks in the background there. Speaking of. Oh, yeah. Rap snacks. I like how it said urinating on the um, subtitles. <laughs> in case we didn't know. Right. It, it could have been worse. Peeing sounds. You know. <laughs> I loved this shot, which we literally had to remove the door off the freaking bathroom and put Jordan. Our B- Jordan is part of Method Media. Jordan Rio. He's shot a lot of my short films. He was our second camera on this. We shot this movie. We almost always had two cameras. But I we love- had him like sitting in a bathtub to get some of those shots. I love that Claire was ready to like stab. She was just ready to go at it. If That's need be. down the street. But then she place, realized she couldn't. She's like this. I got to go. Yeah. yeah. But that, that was one. actually right by the salon. Yeah. Okay. Oh, by the ba- salon. Yes. Yeah, the apartment was upstairs from the salon, and oh, okay. the exterior is across the street from it. Oh, shit. Looked like the coffee place. And so again, more pepper doing cute pepper stuff in the background. <laughs> Peppering a pepper. Going, I've got my She's little... like, what's going on? It's morning. Are we still shooting me. this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys just going to pretend like we're waking up over and over again? She doesn't get it. She does Oh, she... my God. This dress. Mm-hmm. There'd be some outfits that I would be like so sad that I knew the scene was so short that I'm like, we're only going to see this for like a second. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know what that means. That just means that's how good it is. Yeah. Well, but you couldn't have found somebody better to put cool outfits like that than Najara. She is classically, stunningly beautiful. And, and the lighting, she's that you have so in, freaking gorgeous. And the, the and we, outfits that she's wearing. I mean, she's almost ethereal. It's like, yeah, she's very realistic, but she's almost so out of, out of the rest of the world, you know? 
Well, I just mm-hmm. love every contrast with her and Brea as well. Just uh, the tall to the short, and there's something, just the symmetry involved there. Dude, this little moment with this extra sitting over here getting her hair done, how she they look at each other, and then there's this like clip of the hair curling iron that was not planned. It was like it turns it for me now. It feels like this like shining moment. There's like this weird like she knows something, and it's like. They just having a look, and it was like I don't know how it played so well. I just love that because it was a total accident. I feel like that takes to uh, Claire's psyche. Like yeah. you're like, oh my god, like, everybody knows yeah. that I that you I've know. done these bad things. Well, and she's not someone that has someone that she can talk to to reach out. She does not have a network of someone to unload. I mean, she is just a river of emotions. That's why, again, I think why so many of us identify with her. We're we're all, we all have those Claire days, and we all don't go scalping when we have the bad ones. <laughs> no, but I mean, but we all have the days where we're like, oh man. And when you project it upon someone that does look like Najara, I mean, like Genius said, she is just classically beautiful. But even classically beautiful folks have problems. Their their beauty doesn't give them a bypass, you know, a pass in life. And Claire yeah. obviously hasn't. And what I also liked is you never really delved too deeply into her past. You know, we just know Claire is Claire. And mm-hmm. I like that. That's one of the things I've always liked. And the dorky like, thing with each of these morning scenes, which this last week we do this on, on purpose, you know, every day starts with the same shot. Mm-hmm. We're just like tilting the camera a little bit more each day to like show that it's, get, it's getting more and more off. Off, yeah. Well, the, oh, hey, there's, there's those bench. Those benches, we moved around the whole city to make it look like they just happened to be everywhere in Kansas City. I love how the fact that... And they are like, Genius's mom's benches. <laughs> and this is French Claire. We call this French Claire because of the hat. Gorgeous the outfit is so again. incredible. I can't stand it. When she came she, out that day, I like screamed. I was like, what are you doing? Again, she looks so like just, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not to sound creepy, but just uh, so beautiful where she almost seems like it's unnatural. Mm-hmm. Like another, she comes from like a time traveler. Like she's yes. just some beauty from like. That's also how I wanted to feel like she's from another time with right. her, how her wardrobe is like. And that adds to her awkwardness and social misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Like she is from a stylist from the 1800s, you know, and she just doesn't know how to really interact with the modern world. And so, like, it makes her that much more tragic. And yet, like, again, this haunting figure, because she's not, again, oh, it, God damn it. such a beautiful shot and a sad, heartbreaking uh, thing. Uh, but going back to you don't see like a lot of tragic backstory like in the Me Maniac remake you see what like what affected that what the mom's actions did to her. Yeah. You don't really see that and that adds to more to the mystique and that shot. Casey oh my Mo god. Represent. The full moon and the Casey The moon background. we added is fake. Really? Um Burns. all the city is real. We changed the AT&T sign to red to avoid any issues with that. But what's cool is like all because you know our city will change colors. Mm-hmm. It's all red for the Chiefs, and we're like that's cool for the film, mm-hmm. and it's cool also to know that like this is connected to that time. Like I know that one of those signs back there actually says the Chiefs. You just can't read it unless you know that's what it says. It's fucking great. But like on the one of it says literally has like the arrowhead on it. So I'm so happy that you made our city look so fucking good. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They helped us so much. Um, we were got to use the like tax incentive because we shot almost all of it in Kansas City, Missouri, and so, part of that is actually making sure the film, like it's shown in the film, is part of the criteria. Yeah. But we like that was like my dream before that like something like this could be in any basic parking lot but we're like what if we find the top level of a of a garage and it has like an awesome view of the city from like wherever we are we'll give you this money but you got to make sure you show kansas city okay (laughs) i guess ah but this scene is one of those that i rank up there uh that scene in swingers when John Favreau keeps leaving the voicemails mm-hmm. over and over again, and just that uncomfortable, and again, that person that's socially awkward that's trying, but they still can't read up again, on cues. Pushing boundaries. From, she doesn't right. understand boundaries. Because that's also how I love how we made the scene feel heartbreaking and almost like Olivia's being mean, but she, Olivia's not. just being strong yes. and setting boundaries and saying like, I need my space yep. and I need to, cl- and, and she was realizing I need to be very clear with this person who doesn't understand that. Yep. But for Claire, it's like, she's saying, I fucking hate you. Leave go the right. fuck away. Cause yeah. it's not like, it's not like Olivia is saying you fucking lunatic. Leave me the fuck alone. You know, she goes, please be professional on Saturday. Everything is still cool, but God just, but you're like, like, oh, and then just the isolation with that and almost even goddamn just cold, empty parking lot. It's ugh. a great. That was shot. actually the first shot, the scene that we did with Bria and Najara together. Was it? And so I was terrified because it was such an emotional scene, but I think that that benefited from them starting with the one where it's really awkward, like they weren't comfortable yet. As they've met each other in real life, but I mean, just their characters hadn't even been in a scene together yet. It's funny because she's call she calls, and I'm like, this is like the last she's her last reaching out before she's like, I'm going to lose my mind after this. You, be- <laughs> this is your chance to bring me back off the ledge. But also that night, the scene prior is is the same thing. Mm-hmm. And here I'm now I'm realizing I'm realizing just now as a self criticism. <laughs> Like both of those scenes maybe aren't necessary. I'm realizing in hindsight, like they're both saying this, doing the same. They're both like this desperate attempt for like connection before I totally fall off the fucking ledge. Well, we're all people <laughs> at this point, but so. it's the last phone call. Like yeah. even though like she just said, but last I do night, like that he answers it and is like totally distracted. Fucking like, oh. And we shot this like in the first few days of the movie because we shot all her house first. So that was a lot for Cl- Najara because she basically, every yeah. part of the movie happens in, like she always goes back home. So we go through the whole movie emotionally in the first three days because oh we had to shoot like everything upstairs. We did work our way to the basement because we knew that was harder. The, but it's still like we shot everything that happened in the basement like on day three of this movie. But then when you think about it, you're like, everything is intense. What are you going to do first? That's really? true. That's when true. We started to think about it. But we That's... really did bring Davis in, who Davis DeRock, who plays Charlie, to be just off camera delivering Was these he... lines. Nice. Because I just want, if, he, if it's possible, I wanted it to be, you could, it's just not the same. Like someone can read the lines, but it's like 
I want her to feed off of the actual actor, not just like me saying, someone saying it with no emotion or, you know. Hello. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you, if it's a, a certain situation, you need to give the other actor a break or whatever, but he was, we, our indie film, very freaking uh, clever people were like, we will plan his fitting with Hallie right before we shoot this scene. He'll be here. Hells yeah. <laughs> That's good planning. And shit, again, seeing all the planning that went into all of this was incredible. And I, I, they often say it's a miracle that any movie gets made. And to see everything behind it, it just made me so much more appreciative of Look independent cinema. Fartsy scalping um, imagery <laughs> with the wine. She's like pulling it back. They even use like similar sound effects when she's pulling oh. it back to the scalping. Hmm. I I loved all the scenes in her kitchen, even though it's like kind of a maybe people don't think it's an exciting location, but we use like lots of real antique kitchenware that were like my great grandma's, and oh, so sure. there's all kinds of personal stuff in the movie. Especially get, also in the lair. The lair is like full of pictures of like my family, Sarah's family. All of our families are in like photos on the walls in all of these, like uh, everyone's house. Yeah, that's cool. it's about family. <laughs> Everything connects to Fast and the Furious <laughs> and the Saw's family. And Saw's all, family. All, fam, all movies that mean anything are about what? family. I, this is totally off subject. <laughs> what do you think? Did you see the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I did. I mean, Thoughts? Was it okay for you? Was it, you know? I went into it expecting it to be not anything I liked, so I had a lot of fun with it. That's cool. That's and actually... I really appreciated the moment. I appreciated that he wears his mom, his, like, new mother figure's face, mm -hmm. and that he goes and cries with the dress. I was like, there's Leatherface. Yeah. But, I mean, the rest of it's not like it yeah, yeah. carries any of the real... It's... And if you want to talk about it real realistically, you're like... So you're telling me at the end of the movie he leaves the home and somehow ends up in a orphanage as like an adult, he... and somehow his chainsaw ends up in a wall. Let's not go into the, we gotta say this. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, hopefully Claire Ding! will, you know, stow away some scissors maybe eventually that we're she going can break into out. a real awkward scene here. Well, come on, why why is it awkward? Come on now. Yeah, well, actually... You masturbate with someone else's I was going to say, that's pretty fucking awkward. Well, it's not, we're not trying to say that masturbation no, is awkward. No, we're but breaking into somebody's house and... Yeah. Breaking into someone's house, using their thing, cool, yeah, and acting as if you are them while doing it is a totally awkward. different thing. Consent is key, kids. Right. But also, it just adds to her need. I got to tell the background of this oh, scene. Oh. Um, way back when we were writing it... Um, or even just thinking about it, it was like the summer that the short was playing and I was going around with John Pata a lot, our editor, and he's writer-director. Um, I was trying to think about really just like more moments that could be in the film that were um, challenging or weird or uncomfortable that would further her, her character and her downward spiral but that weren't another that wasn't another kill that was something else and somehow that's what started the beginning to get to this conversation and it was always really challenging for me to figure out how we would do it because I knew it would have a lot of different 
it would have like a couple interpretations and what and this would take a lot of people to a different side of it but i was like that's fine if that's what they think it is um because maybe it is i don't know and um because with this you can definitely start to there's a lot of queer interpretations of the film which is like 150 percent understandable um especially with this scene like is it which is always a question in a lot of these obsession movies it's like do they want to be them or be with them and i guess i like the idea of this furthering that question but for me it was for me it was personally always still about her wanting to be her but i was like her obsession this scene this is gonna speak to a lot of people in a different way and that's been really cool to see not only just like a like a gay reading of her but there's been a lot of connection from like the trans community about just identity and try wanting to identify with like quote girly girls like feminine women that go out in groups of girls and what that feels like when you first transition and you've never had that like a group of girlfriends and that's really special for us to like for Uh that to connect to people in a way I could have never imagined and but then with really like her sexual identity I always thought that she doesn't even know herself well enough to really understand what she how she identifies so I don't know for sure but a lot of these interpretations have made me do a lot of thinking I'm like I don't know maybe she is more queer than I know or or have realized and it's always been obvious but it's funny I or I know it's not funny but I think it's really no. cool to hear people review it and say like I I feel confident saying this is a queer horror film. I'm like I love that they're saying that and like that's not it wasn't like we set out to make a queer right, horror film. Right, right. It's, it's just naturally about a woman. I don't it it just like developed that way. I'm like maybe it is. I don't even know. And it's been so like <laughs> insightful. But then like Eric Havens, for instance, he since the film has they since he um mm-hmm. has, since the film has come out has you know identifies as non-binary and we just have thought about how much of stuff we don't even realize about ourselves has come out through the film. And I always knew that like she was like me in her anxiety, but I didn't realize how overt it was until everyone watched the movie and were like, the movie is about anxious, social, everything. I'm like, it is. I'm like, of course it is. But I never like thought about it that intentionally. Like that's just part of her. And then everyone like, that's what the whole movie's about. I'm like, I guess it is. Um, but That's wow, cool. yeah, the things it's exposed about us and like, it's, I'm like, it makes sense. And it's really cool to hear any different art interpretation, but especially if it makes people feel seen in some way. That's cool that you yes. as the writer director yeah. are saying that yeah. because a lot of the writer directors are going to be like, no, yeah. this is what the movie is about. And this is what I set out to do. But the fact that you're like open to listen, like, oh, I never looked that way. That sounds like, yeah, that's, I could totally see that. You know, that is a very, very cool stance on it, you know? And like, I feel like that's the dream for a filmmaker that people that it can be interpreted how by differently and by everyone based on the baggage you bring. It's not just the one. You don't make it so closed out, you know, that it's like this is all it can be. No, you need you need interpretation. You need to be able to people to project them, see themselves on the big screen. And yeah, no, it's the fact that it's been embraced that way. And we live in a day and age that with social media. So more and more people are going to be able to access this and be able to say, your film has meant a lot to me. And 
we talked about with um, Julia Ducourneau and her films, how she wants them to move things forward. And I mean, quite you, you did this with that, obviously. And in some ways you never expect, which is freaking awesome. Mm. Love it. Love it. And of course we are in America too. So we don't like anything with sexuality. <laughs> Again, kills we're good with anything with sex. No, no, we cannot do that. Yeah, the challenge was with this was like we can't. I don't want it to be too sexy. I was saying that because I'm like, that's not the. No. I'm not trying to turn our audience on, but I'm like, but naturally it's going to be kind of sexy because she's an attractive woman, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we're like, how can we make this not sexy? Are you whispering? Be less sexy, but be into it. <laughs> but but I thought I was like, we should have less cutting, so it's more uncomfortable for the viewer. Like it's just like a nonstop staring, but. What's funny is was working out actually this whole sequence of her jumping out the window, which we have a behind the scenes video of Tom, who's our assistant director and Najara's husband, doing this like this creation of how we were going to do it. Him and Robert and Chris Nitter all shot this thing on their phone of how we were going to pull this stunt off. In the in the video, I put it on our our Instagram, the stylist Instagram. It looks more like an action film. I'm like, I don't know if we need to go this far. Like, she's not going to jump out and start running down the street. And she's got two guns she's shooting like, up in the air. Doves are flying like behind has her. She's like rappelling down the side of the fucking wall all of a sudden. She's parkouring shit. But, yeah, somehow we were like, how are we going to have her jump out of this? Like, how are we going to show how far this actually is? Because that window is actually really high up. <laughs> but then we shot her walk, climbing out of a different window. The house we shot in was three stories high. And the window up top came out onto the deck. So we just cropped out the deck perfectly. So she's looking like there's nothing, but she's really just like lowering herself. <laughs> the deck. And I have this, I have footage of that. I still need to put up of her just like That's... getting out of frame and then like laughing. <laughs> this stuff. Oh my God. So sorry. Najara I was freezing and she has to be outside in a freaking uh, nightgown for uh, so much. She's like, why did you do this to me? Fucking breaking down a door. But Go also this nightgown is totally, an homage to Carrie and her dress, her prom dress is like essentially a satin pink plain long dress. It's heartbreaking. This, the fact that she tried to put her murderous past away. Things were going okay for her, but now like, and she really gave it a shot to like, well, Hey, I don't need to murder people anymore, but and now she's still trying to, this is still an attempt to hold off. She's like, I'm going to go put on the old wigs which this is cool. This is the one from this the a, short. Yep, mm-hmm. callback. And totally an idea of our sound team uh, noise floor in Chicago. In the scene, there's all these um, these clips that are like in her head, the echoing voice. Uh, hope that goes a long way towards my promotion. That's a cl- a sound bite from the short film. And then even they use the like, they might use the um, you know, all these echoing mm-hmm. lines of like different people. Things, you know, things people said to her that are just haunting her. Like, I loved that idea. And they're like very echoey. Like, you can almost not tell what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Building through the scene. They just, the sound for this scene is so cool. It's, it even like has an echo in the room. Like, the warmth isn't there anymore. Like, it's empty feeling. And like the candles are gone, you know, not lit because I mean she didn't she didn't right. have time to light the whole shrine today. <laughs> In the opening, they just magically suddenly there's a hundred candles lit. That would take forever. Okay, don't worry about the practicality of that. <laughs> she leaves them on. Those are day running candles. 
<laughs> but then, yeah, just the, the various scalp for the various persona, the various mood. It just uh, like, is this the comfort one? You know, because we, we talk about like having comfort films, but like literally, though, you're looking, she's looking to center and uh, and then just trying to find what character would be most comforting in right now. Oh, shit. I watched The Stepfather for the first time ever, which is... I loved it. I watched it recently, too. Holy shit. The who am I here kind of bit mm-hmm. and trying to figure out where I'm... Which, by the way... And the stuff oh. he says that, like, to everyone, but it's super creepy and it seems so he's like, a family's not a family if you don't, like... And I'm like, oh, it's incredible. It's really and I'm like, A man which is not a meal. You know what else he saw recently for the first time? Dr. Giggles. Nice. I finally did, yes. Of which... Um, All the semi-inspirations which i hadn't seen the stepfather but that's totally in line with this movie it is it is but knowing that i didn't realize how much you enjoyed dr giggles made me enjoy it the first time watching it immensely more i think it was our uh adrian had mentioned that i'm obsessed with this mannequin shop I, like, you can be and there's like a great there's shit. like this, this echoing shot. happening yeah. that should say i need to look perfect nice try subtitles <laughs> and another pull focus oh snap Oh, hey. I recognize this road. We know, yeah. Full on tourist trap with that mannequin. And there was my brief cameo there. And there's voices. Erica. The voices happening right now include your voice. Mm -hmm. Genius. Wait, were you voicing me? I'm dubbing your voice. Did you snort? I should have. We were doing continuity. All kinds of voiceover later to film this crap. And there's someone doing this. Sakura Hatch, our, one of our key PAs, Here. is my body double right there walking up the stairs because I was actually in the house getting lots of makeup applied to you me were at the time. Waiting for your close up. Well, this I, I am can... obsessed with this sequence, the way she looks on this road. This is very like Nightcrawler and David Fincher. Yeah, this whole idea was like she's wearing Olivia's Her. nightgown, she's wearing a jacket from like a previous death that was like in the basement. Like, she's totally not Claire anymore. Like, she's someone... Like, she's totally disconnected from this point. I love... Thank you for getting that shot right there. God damn... And yeah, you all know my issue. I drew that shot. You know my goddamn issues. I'm going to see that shit now whenever I look out my window. And right across the street. And from my fucking bathtub when you Samara crawled out of that shit. You've ruined half my house, Jill. You realize this. (laughs) No, no. Fuck it. You've enhanced my house, actually. Because that's the one thing I will say. I p- take great pride in knowing that. <gasps> cameo. This is not a cameo. This is a full on. This is Jill. Like getting. When I see myself, I'm like, oh, God. Why did anyone let me say anything? That line should have been something else. Wait right here. Let me get my phone. Nobody says that. Sure they do. But hey, you what? sell the <laughs> shit out of this yeah it's a great death oh it's a gnarly death uh, uh, uh shout out to um the deleos for providing awesome. the eye yep <laughs> jill and dave deleo but yeah, this the coat she wears in the scene iconic i've worn i have it now and i wear it hells yeah you do it's a pretty pimp coat mm-hmm. like that's wait something... major mistake uh-oh <sighs> wait Okay, the shot from before this. Oh no! The pile, the puddle of blood was. See the puddle of blood there. Uh huh. It's all. It was already there even before uh, that shot. Uh, it shouldn't be out there yet. Premature bleeding. We still. didn't even see that mistake until so late into making oh. the film. All oh, of no. me, Rob, and John were all like, 
what? How did we not notice this? Oh, we no. were so confused, and we didn't even like. I don't even know how we made the mistake of shooting it. Like, I, I thought again, we shot it in order. Would have noticed. Not at all. Not at all. Also, shout out the shirt I'm wearing is the Ranger. Jack it Wexler. was. Yeah, our homies made it, and the shirt is made by Atomic Cotton. Damn right. More friends. Nice. Dude, everyone has like a hand in the making of this film in one way or the other. Oh, it was a dream this. to be scalped, scalped by my own creation. Hells yeah, it is. And then I just love this. All these like transitions where they just keep yep. gliding. Yep. John and Rob are and crazy with this. Eating stuff. pizza, cackling, watching oh, cartoons. Just yeah, just I love snapped. this idea of like she's still oh, trying to di- disconnect into the other person, but she doesn't even go home anymore to no, do it. Like it, she's. But I love that idea, like, she was really gone from, like, that point on. Even the next morning, you think, like, oh, maybe she's, you know, she's got her fix. Out of the system. Nope. But really, she's, like, doing herself up like her mom in a picture. Like, mm. nothing is her anymore. We love, when we were shooting her, like, laughing and eating pizza, we were all just, like, letting her go forever. Because she was just, I was like, she's so fucking creepy here. <laughs> this is, like, the moment. It's haunting. It is great. This is the shot. Pepper should have been in it. What did I do wrong? We need a VFX pepper into it. Uh, you have the, you can Digitally, George Lucas it. Yeah. Wait, this is so cool. These pictures are Najara's baby pictures, and those that's her mom. Aww. For real. Oh, shit. And her mom, like, plays Claire's mom via the picture. Oh, my gosh. Because she holds it up and, like, does her hair the same. That's really nice, actually. And that's Dorinda Townsend. She's been very supportive. She always shares news about the film on Facebook. And I've even, like, set her up with the passes to screenings that, like, only... They were in California, and Najara's not even there. And we're like, "There's if you want to go to the screening, there's two tickets for you. <laughs> and awesome. she's gone to them. Like, you represent the film. Hells yeah. <laughs> Hell well, that's, yeah. Here's never... another one of these fancy glides where, like, they glide into a black wall. And then, then they John splices these two shots together so they look like they're connected, but they're two completely <laughs> different shots. I love how she's movies. in the mirror right there for a second. I love this moment. All these, like, pictures she set up. It's like now she's and the last phase. She's turned it into like a funeral for mm-hmm. them, which makes sense. But all the totally pictures really are like all the. It's a lot of my family and her family. The one thing they did do the picture of Najara's mom was add the gold earrings. We're like, we need something else that connects it really. Oh, for the okay. Well, like the same exact earrings. That's oh goddamn. See, this is how you do CGI, kids. Yeah. Like, you know, the the perfect melding of things like that. That Wow. Wait, so that's... That's Dorinda. Oh, yeah, we added the earrings. Yeah, that's... That, see, that, that's kind of cool. <laughs> but also, it kind of you can kind of see the, the passing down because both of them are striking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. Oh, that's got to be. <laughs> that's yeah. Oops. It's like uh, <laughs> oops. Again, oops. <laughs> oops. She's dead. What? Um, Heaven, you don't say. This barista right here. That's Hallie Sharp, our wardrobe, our costume designer, doing a little cameo, wearing a wig. In fact, when I saw her that day, I came in. She's already wearing the wig and the hat. And I was like, "Is that another one?" I thought it was another. Si- I'm like, "Is this another Are one you, of your sisters?" Sister? <laughs> I didn't even know it was Hallie. 
oh, that's got to be cold blooded to see that. Like, uh oh, I'm on the. What's funny is now. this: these insert, these close ups. Oh, we only saw the one. We didn't get that when we were there. We like shot it on another window. Like a month later, we were like, we need a close up of this to make Love sure people it. know what the hell it is. Now, with this being oh, here, we that, are at the Pilgrim Chapel. Yeah, lots of people I know actually have been married here. I've ruined their memories and dreams. No, not really. Oh God, you've enhanced. Enhanced them. You get oh, that little. You can yeah. get married like, where yeah. the stylist was filmed. She's like, "Don't hug me, motherfucker." That was. I hey, love. He he's boundaries. also great with the awkwardness. Like, he's like, "Are we joking around?" And she's like, "No, this is very fucking serious." And he's like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> so, so Jill, as a stylist, do you do hair for weddings? No, this is based on my life. This part. <laughs> This is what I did at my last wedding. I was never invited to another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, having this church was a dream because, I mean, I've always wanted to sh shoot something tragic and upsetting in a church, which was inspired by Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet from the 90s. Ah, it ends in her, you know, her funeral scene in this most beautiful fucking cathedral ever mm -hmm. with their suicides. And I was like, that's what I want the scene to be like. Uh, but I mean, I don't, we didn't have the money to have like a fucking 3,000 people in the... Because right. we did look at churches that were that big and we're like, how could we... That's you would need like a thousand extras to make it look like anyone was even here. <laughs> you still needed like... I don't even know how many... Over 50 or almost probably between 75 and something for this. That's impressive. And I think... and I, Listen, I... Love the Blu-ray. I've watched all the featurettes. The fact that, you know, Kansas City does get a lot of shout-outs and that they talked about the fact that, yes, a lot of people in the community were willing to come out and stay overnight yeah. and do all that stuff. It because was incredible. I think they just there's a lot of people that appreciate movies here, and if they can participate and be part of it and help collaborate, they're going to be all for it. And my favorite thing in the, the wedding scene is just pointing out, like, oh, hey, there they are again. There's yes. everyone. It's like a who's who. Of just people that you'll see around about, you know, loving movies. Be it over, like, at Screenland, you'll see a lot of familiar faces. Uh, I always like it in a, one of Patrick Ray's, uh, that one he did with uh, the Werewolf Revenge one, Screenland shows up. I Am Lisa? I Am Lisa, yeah. I was like, oh, shit, there's Screenland. But I just love these little bits that we can get. Again, ah, oh, the little transitions that John adds. And I love the fact that we're introduced to the little girl and the little girl's the only buddy so that's cool with everything at the end. I mean, spoilers. <laughs> but, like, I like that aspect of it. Working with kids, decent? Was it scary at all? Um, were they? Cause that's not, this I little mean, girl obvious. is so incredible. Like, she came down from Omaha. She auditioned through an agency, and we're like, she's freaking perfect. Um she was a dream to have on set. She was like the, like kept like kept us all in the best mood. And she was so professional. She, she'd only done like theater before. I don't understand how she understood all of the rules though, or like the terminology of set, like between takes, she would be like childlike and laugh and do things. Mm -hmm. But like Tom would be like back to one and she would like flip, like <laughs> so serious. And she understood how to do her even her actions exactly the same each take and like put everything right back to where it was. And Damn. the kind of stuff that adult actors have been working for a long time don't do 
everything do exactly the same each time um she's incredible She's like that little girl from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, (laughs) uber professional. She's, like, worth writing something around. She's so good. I feel like she's going to be a star. And, yeah, it was, like, this idea of, uh, you know, a way to make, to show that Claire only relating to this child to kind of show where she is. Yeah. And, um. God damn, that's a lot. And the fact that she's kind of an outsider, too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm? I mean, because she's not really part of the inner circle. No, and again, yeah, as we see. As much as she wants to be. Yeah. That last, like, mon- the, like montage thing, we decided, like, instead of it being about the hair, we should it be about, like, how she's surrounded by all of this love and energy that she's not a part of. and. Mm-hmm. Just furthering everything at this point. Now, is that really... The guy who just walked by with the camera, Jack, he was one of our PAs, and we just threw him in that scene. And every time he walks by with the camera, I just laugh. Because I'm like, (laughs) he nailed it. Nailed the picture. Taking. You were saying that that picture was Renajara's real mother. Is that Brea's real mother? Because they look very... No, but that... It was incredible to cast. I don't know how we managed to do that, because it was just like a mere... We only have so many options at the time. Like, we auditioned so, so many people weren't available, it seemed. Yeah. We l- cast that so late, which I don't know what we were thinking. But Laura Kirk was incredible. She's also a professor at KU. Um, look at that lighting. Ooh, yeah. Yes, that we somehow lighting. got that. They call that <laughs> old school, like, glamour lighting where they put on the eyes. That was just like a magic of the mirror being tilted down. We were like, we should actually do that. Like, leave it on our eyes like that. And then the slow, oh, look at yeah, that. Yeah. That's well, we joke that this was the, the Eminem moment when he's Stan, when, he, when he's in the spaghetti. mirror before he goes out to do <laughs> his like Bloody final. Rabbit. So when we were shooting that scene, we were like, this is don't the moment. Yes, we were rapping that. I have a video of like of me like fucking off playing the song and dancing and filming it. And they're like Rob and everyone with the cameras just looking at me like, we need to like get this shot and not just fuck around. I can't imagine how annoyed they must get with me. Cause I'm like, I'm actually going to have fun. And they're like, but Who's, we're on a schedule. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Who wants <laughs> spaghetti? We're making a movie. We're making a movie. Well, it's better than that than the one in a uh, boogie nights, you know, and you know, psyching or psyching himself up for that. You know, Claire, you're a star. But we, you know, use mirrors like fucking crazy. Cause it just, since the short, it just made sense to tell the story as much as we could through the mirrors. Stylists mm-hmm. live half their life like having conversations through the mirror. Like you don't even look at the person directly. And this, we went even extra crazy. Like oh we never even show them. It's just through, through the mirrors. mirrors. That's nuts. And they're not. And they're like the mirrors behind them. So it's like showing how they're like so. At, at this point, because she is just so far gone. Yeah. Which oh, but she this part was so hard. much. And then, oh no. But then the back and forth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. This is a heartbreaking film. I mean, it's, like. Well, it's really funny. We typically usually do commentaries for movies that are fun and jovial. Right. But we <laughs> knew having you here, we could have some fun with it, but also dig a deep into it. And we're, we're, we're done, basically. I mean, we're at the, this. I, I didn't have to dip into my notes one freaking time. Maybe it's when you have the co-writer and director of a film. Oh, here's you know? all our people. Ah, that, yeah, the, play a special shout out for Robert anyone. Or Bruce. Dude, Bruce ends up playing 
essentially the father of the groom via how we edited it. We and we put him right in that chair where they that's where they would sit. They'd... But it's hilarious. We even cut to him like after the reveal, he makes like the perfect face. He has no idea like until he saw the movie that we like show that's him right. that There's much because he's right there in the front. Uh, and then uh, there was Dave I saw, and yep, they're in the hat. Oh, hey, there's Dave. I see Dave in the hat. There's Bruce. Now, there's Bruce. Jill Towerman's in the back. Yeah, there's, there's Jill. Jill. Okay. Taking pictures. That's Jenna. Yes. Good Lord. This is like, again, Kansas City Horror Bingo. Uh, where is, now, where is the, where is our favorite? Doesn't Diana pop up here? Yeah, she's on the front. On the other side. On the other side. The bride's okay. family. Okay. Oh, the bride. She's the like in the side. front sitting with Kyle Clark, our executive producer. <gasps> Kyle. I oh, love Kyle. And my friend who we cut to a few times with blonde hair. She totally looks like she could be in Bria's family. She's like my childhood best friend, Christy Griffiths. And I loved, I was like, we made you like the Robin. cousin that we keep showing over and over again. Yeah. Robin oh, became Robin. our oh, main Robin. usher. Hey, there's Andrea's in there too. Yeah. There we go. There's a, oh god damn it! This so my uh, good friend Cat, Cat um, McFarland, she's a florist. She did all of our flowers for the scene, so that was huge. That's T- not Tim's in an easy too. thing to do with a tiny budget. Here we are, very obviously. Once you know, cutting back and forth from Najara and Bria in the dress <laughs> between shots. Oh my god! It is Christy so... right there. See, we like make her a main person. <laughs> Hey, that nothing. See, this is why growing up with you know Jill is a good thing. You get to be a featured extra. He's serious, father of the bride by proxy. <laughs> and our homie Nick, who yeah, uh, there's, Asia, yep. there's Diana. So, did you have? Was this one of the main things you knew you wanted to end with? Because this is a hell of a way to end a movie like this. Yeah, when I knew this ending is when I knew like that I was like ready to write the film. Or like I knew the storyline because then it's easy to write. It's not easy, but it's much easier to write something when you know the end. You just need to get there. Get there. And I always knew then like the midpoint would be this bachelorette party that really triggered a lot. Oh God, that that intercut between C and Bray and her. I uh-huh. God that. Oh, and that's it's cool. Unsettling. John oh. does crazy VFX in this. He took the. We didn't plan to do that. He took the blood scalp off of. Najara and put it on Bria for that shot. Really? Because Bria's not actually wearing that at any point. Yeah, okay. See, I like the fact that like, cool. And even some of this blood, which I would normally talk shit on CGI blood, there's a little bit of CGI blood added because this scene was so important emotionally. Mm-hmm. We put like, you know, fake blood there, but I didn't want to risk putting a, a rig where it would drip down her face. Uh-huh. And it possibly ruined the shot, and then we can't go backwards because that would get blood on the dress. Mm-hmm. Redoing her face would take forever. I was like, her emotional performance here is more important than the blood dripping. So I have to really point it out. At the very last moment, it starts to drip down the back of her neck, and it's just like, it's almost like it just pours at the last second. You can barely notice it. Like her tears. Like the blood doesn't start dripping until she's like, until she's like full on crying and realize. She done fucked It's up. happening now, like, a lot. Oh, it is, yes. See, look, with the, and, the, and it coincides with the tears. It's wonderful. It's those happy accidents. No appointment, no stones. <laughs> and her looking right at the camera. No tears, no tears. No blood. Looking Four right blood. at the camera at the end Four was drops. totally an inspiration of, like, 
super artsy shit like pepper uh, is pepper barry jenkins always has those actors look right in the camera and then sure. mm-hmm. even then i realized tons of people do that at the end of the, their films like magnolia even does it or call me by your name does it it's so effective because it is claire's film we start with claire we end with claire and we end in a bad spot with claire <laughs> and i know listen where everyone's going to always want to know what's coming up next. Obviously just worked with uh, Mr. John Pata with black mold, but you know, are we going to see the continuation of Claire at all? Are we, you know, is there talks with that? Because people responded to this movie. People are still responding to this movie. I guarantee 10 years from now, we're going to be celebrating, you know, 10 years of the stylist. So are there any plans with that? If possible, maybe I think about it a lot. Um, Intention initially with like the this storyline of this movie, like that that world to me there is a sequel doesn't exist. Um, for me, I would, but I am in some way interested in possibly making one eventually. But I would like have to personally disconnect from like that trajectory and look at it in a different way and almost become a different tone of a film because I don't know that I would buy. I don't buy that she does like the in my eyes if it keeps going like the police show up in like 10 minutes and um I'm not really super interested in seeing her literally in fucking jail or something um so I'd have to accept that like this is extremely absurd somehow she didn't get caught and there's so many option versions of that how about it's a legacy (laughs) sequel Claire we do it's like go. 15 years from now. She did get away and she's living quietly a new life. Or and she then... didn't get away and she's <laughs> now just released. She's paid her debts to society and she thinks like everything she is gets fine, out of jail. Awkwardness. Just the real world around her is just fucking broke her again. Well, regardless, we got to make sure to we get finish up here. Seriously, Jill, hopefully <laughs> this rad. wasn't too bad for it you. It was awesome. Through. Uh, we appreciate you doing this. We appreciate everything you've done for Kansas City, everything you've done for our little Pitley podcast. I appreciate just, you guys. No, we very appreciate much. you sincerely. So we appreciate you all, of course, on Patreon. You made something you should be extremely, extremely oh happy God. and proud of. The fact that it's so popular. It's been winning so many well-deserved kudos and awards. This is a wonderful film. Thank you. I hope everyone enjoyed that was listening with us. <laughs> uh, it, oh, believe me. Believe me. They they know and love you. So I don't know what we're doing for the month of um, April. No, Jesus. We're on April. May yeah. for our commentary yet. But it might be monster-sized. It might be musical. We'll have to see. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs>